So we're talking about love, and I want to start with a very simple question. I should say that more sarcastically, but um, I'm curious, what is the greatest love you've ever received? I mean, just think about that for a moment. What is the, the greatest love that you have ever received? It might be a hard question to answer initially. But the fact is that we all are chasing and pursuing love. We've been hardwired for it. <clears throat> Even early on in our lives, very early, when we're born, I mean, we are, we are looking for, and ideally, we receive love from parents and grandparents and extended family. Our siblings eventually catch up, even if it takes a long time sometimes. And then we have close friends. We have boyfriends. We have girlfriends. We have fiancés. We have spouses. And then possibly we have children, and we see the love of a child coming back to us. And we, may, we might wonder, is there anything greater than this? So I don't know if I just mentioned one of the things that maybe, or one of the relationships, and let's just throw in our furry four-legged friends as well, as to what your greatest love that you've received has ever been. Because if by chance you happened to say, yeah, it's my spouse, it's the person I'm sitting next to, or you're thinking, that's the answer, honey, it's you, it's always been you. Or maybe it is a parent or grandparent or close friend. Maybe it is somebody like that. What if I were to tell you that if that was your answer, that you're settling not for the greatest love, that as wonderful as that love is, it's an echo of something greater. And Christmas is a reminder of that. And love is something that we're very familiar with. I mean, you think of all the love songs that have been sung, all the romance novels that have been written. When you think about those things, the rom-coms we like to go to and laugh at, and we know love's important to us, and we're going to pursue it and seek after it. But I want to suggest to you today, and I'm going to ask you, if you would, to suspend any and all bad experiences you've had in church, uh, to just try to be open to, to what I want to share with you. And, and what I want to share with you is I want to give you three reasons why I believe that God's love is greater than any love you'll ever find. And then you, you, you judge for yourself whether I've made a, a good argument for that or not. I, I remember sitting on the side of where I hated God. And uh, it, it took a while for me to really come to understand that his love is truly the greatest of all loves. But I want you to decide. I want you to work through that. And I hope that as you leave, what I do know when we all leave here today, we will continue to pursue love. We will look for it. And, and I hope and pray that, that you will come to realize that the greatest love is looking for you. It's looking for you. So... With that in mind, I want to give you three reasons why I hope and pray that that is what you will find from being here this afternoon. I'm going to ask you, let's get our Bibles open because my word's not worth anything, but God's word's worth everything. I want you to open up your Bible to your table of contents. And there's two books that I want you to look in the New Testament table of contents. I want you to look at the very first book, which is Matthew, and the very third book is Luke. And I'm going to be looking at Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 19. I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 1 with a familiar story or a familiar passage with the Christmas story. And this is with Joseph. And, and Joseph receives in a dream a message from an angel. And I'm going to, it'll be up on the screen, verse 21. I'm going to cheat a little bit and go to verse 20. 
It says, but after he, this is Joseph, had considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So, so here's an angel telling Joseph that there's something really important by which Jesus is being born, and that clearly God has seen this, and is seeking a remedy. So we have that. And then in Luke chapter 19, let's look at Luke chapter 19. This is Jesus now. Clearly he's an adult. He is on his way to Jerusalem for his final days. And he stops as he's perched above the city. In Luke chapter 19, verse 41, this is what Luke, who's a doctor, writing this, and I love that he's a man of detail. As he approached, this is Jesus, saw the city, he wept over it saying, if you knew this day would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. For the days will come on you when your enemies will build an embankment against you, surround you, and hem you in on every side. They will crush you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave one stone on another in you because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. I want to suggest to you that and I think we see this at an earthly level, but let's just blow it up bigger than that. Love, and when you receive love, it is from someone who is attentive and recognizes in you a need. They see it. They're in tune with you, and they see something that's, that's missing. They, they see a need that you have, a, a greater good than what you have currently it comes to their attention. And, and what I just read to you, God's attention from heaven was he saw in his people that they needed saving from their sins. That's not what they wanted saving from, but that's what God saw. And, and I, I, what I want to say to you uh, or suggest to you is that love is being attentive. And what makes God's love greater than any other love is he can read your mind and he can read your heart and he can read my mind and he can read my heart. As much as I love Nancy and as much as Nancy loves me, she's not my greatest love. She can't see into me and I, and I wish I told you that I shared everything about her, every hurt I've ever had with her. I haven't. But God sees it and God understands it. And God saw his people and because what he saw in his people he sent Jesus, and Jesus kind of personifies, he, he is, he's God in the flesh. He comes and he, he weeps over his people because he knows of that which they're going through. And like I said, they wanted saving from the people that occupied their country, the nation of Israel. That was their land. But Rome and the empire of Rome dictated what was going to go on in their land and occupied and persecuted them. And so you can imagine their prayers weren't so much for, hey, save me from my sins, but save us from these people. But love doesn't just look for a need. It looks for the greatest need. And God knew they needed something more than just physical freedom. They needed freedom spiritually, inside, internally. And when it says that Jesus wept, and he says, you did not recognize the time of your visitation. He's, he's, he's saying you don't understand the greatest need that you have. But God does. 
And Christmas reminds us of, of that. And so love seeks a person's greatest need, not necessarily what they want. And that is so uh, counter-cultural. In our cultural wars today, there's a counterfeit sense of love. And I, I'm talking about something much more than acceptance. Love isn't less than that, but it's much more than that. We, we don't just accept people for who they are and what they want and how they identify without any discernment, without any senses, is that really what's best for you? That's not what love is. Love steps out. It says, I don't believe that to be your greatest good. And if I really love you, then I'm seeking after your greatest good. And that's exactly what God was doing here. He, he saw the greater good wasn't freeing them, physically speaking. It was giving them freedom internally from their sin that was holding them back and and, and damaging them and the people around them. The insecurities that are in all of us, the fears that are in all of us that manifest themselves with things like unmanageable debt and, and divorce and depression and addiction and laziness and dishonesty, God sees that and He goes, I want to save you from that. That's your greatest need is to be saved from that. It's my greatest need to be saved from that. And only God can see that in you. Other people can't. And for that reason, I believe that that makes God's Love, the greatest that we could receive. Secondly, is that love not only identifies and recognizes the need, but it stops at nothing to meet it. There's no sacrifice too great to make sure that that need is met. And we, in, in the Advent readings, we, we heard in John, love the world, that he gave. That he gave. He gave what? He gave up the most precious thing that he had, his son, John 15, 13, Jesus says this. This is how we know that sacrifice is the greatest expression of love. In John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus says, No one has greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. Now, you might say, well, I know people that have laid down their lives for others. I think of our military men and women. And, and that, that truly is courageous. It's truly sacrificial. But what it can't do for anyone is impact their eternity. You see, Jesus came and, and, and he, he, he died a substitutionary death. He, he received from God the judgment reserved for you and for me, for our sins and for our brokenness. That was our greatest need and God saw that. He said, you're not going to be free until you're right with me and you're forgiven. And so I'm sending my son, and Jesus lived the perfect life in your place, in my place. And then he died on the cross to absorb the judgment of God. And then that's what we're reminded of at, 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 at Christmas is the birth and the beginning of that. Easter is the, the culmination of that. And then the resurrection Sunday, three days later, which God's saying, I'm satisfied. This is the guy. Put your faith and trust in him. And so love is not just identifying and, and tuning in to this need it's saying, I will stop at nothing to meet it. Even if you don't see it and you don't understand it, I will stop at nothing to give you your greatest good. And that's exactly what God did when he sent Jesus. Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 2 in describing Jesus, beginning with verse 6. He's making, this is in reference to Christ. He says, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men, and when he had come as a man, 
in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So God comes to earth in the person of Christ so he could relate with us, so that he could stand in our place. Because love, the greatest love, does that. Like I said, no one that's ever died for anyone died for their eternity, but Jesus did. And that's what makes God's love greater. And you see, God sees you now, and he sees me now. He sees in you. He, he knows what you're, what you're wrestling with, where you're hurting, what you're struggling with, what you're fearful of. He knows that. And in particular, he knows those of you that are trying to just say, I got this. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need this kind of help. But God says, you too. That's where freedom is, is to know that kind of love. And, and what he's hoping and praying, and what I've been praying for, what I was upstairs praying for when someone said, I need your chair, Kevin, was that you would recognize your greatest need. It's not what you think it is. It's what Jesus said it was and what he came to do. Now, I know you might be thinking, you know what? I've overcome some bad habits I've had in my life. I've had some people around me who have loved me, and, and, and I've, I've, I've overcome those habits. I've gotten out of that bad place, that tough place that you're speaking of, Kevin. Okay, that's awesome. But you will never get yourself out of your accountability to, to God. Another, uh, if you listen in, in the Advent reading, in, in John chapter uh, 16, verse 18, um, it, it talked about that we're being saved from being condemned you can't do that. I can't do that. No one else can do that on your behalf. Only Christ can do that. And that is what only the greatest love can do. That's reason number two. Lastly, reason number three, and I'm gonna, for reason number three, I'm going to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. This is what Paul says. He says, for, by, excuse me, for you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. This is what's amazing about God's greatest gift of love is it costs you nothing. It costs him everything. It is a gift that he gives you. It is unmerited. You, you can't work your way there, which means you don't have to fake it anymore. So much of our culture today is, and, and this, this is, it seems like people are learning this earlier and earlier in life, is that you have to perform in order to be loved. You're only as loved, you're only as good, you're only as valued as what you can do. It's exhausting. You only matter based on how you look and how much you make and what your talents and gifts are. But that is done away with in this greatest gift of God's love. And here's the, this is the challenging part for all of us. And I mean, I, I, I get this. I may have just disappointed you in some ways when I just said, and you may have thought, well, that doesn't really sound like it's so great that God loves me without merit. Because anyone that's ever been told I love you, there's always that question kind of running in the back of your head. What do you love me for? What, what do I, am I cute? Is it my humor? Is it because I'm smart? Is it because I'm fun to be with? And you're just, you're just wanting to know that. And that's our insecurity inside of us that says it's got to be about me in some way. But that's dangerous. It's toxic. Because whatever that is, 
then it becomes your God. And when it's threatened, whether through age or some disability or some opportunity that just, you, you blew it. Man, it wrecks you. It destroys you. But God says this. He says, I love you because I just love you. And there's freedom in that. And at Christmas, we're reminded of that, that love cannot be earned. Now, you might think, wait a minute, you just read, it says, for you are saved by grace through faith. Wait a minute, Kevin, my, my part in this, my, my work, what I have to do in order to earn or merit is I have to put my faith in Jesus. That's, that, that clearly uh, is something. Um, it is something. It is something. I'll give you that. But let me tell you the kind of something it is. Faith is not a condition, my friends. It is a response. Faith in Jesus is the means of receiving God's gift of love, not the work of earning it. And let me use an analogy. Imagine if out of the kindness of my heart, see, in my former life, I used to be a CPA. I did accounting work. If you've ever done accounting, or if you're doing accounting right now, be careful because you might be where I am because it will chase you to ministry at some point in your life probably. <laughs> You'll go, that's it, I can't do this anymore. But let's just say that in my accounting career that I accumulated wealth. And I'm, I, I will tell you tonight, hey, you know what? Because I, I, just, I love you just because I love you. Everyone here gets a million dollars. I'm going to hand you a check on your way out. All you've got to do is endorse it and deposit it, and it's yours. No questions asked. I suspect none of you would go running out, posting on social media, telling your friends or family, look at the million dollars I earned. All my hard work and effort, I got a million. No, you wouldn't say that. You would recognize it as a gift, and you would see your endorsement and your, your depositing merely as receiving what you did not do anything for. And that is what faith is. When we put our faith in Jesus, it's not a work. It's how we receive this incredible, what I'm arguing tonight, is the greatest love you will ever receive. For the three reasons that I just gave you. Now let me finish this way. There are some of you, and I remember being there because I had heard things similar when I just gave God the stiff arm and said, no, nah, not interested. Why would anyone turn down this kind of love? We're out pursuing it. We're out looking for it. We're dreaming about it. Why would we not receive this? And I, and I, I, I think of these reasons. One is pride. There are some of you who do not receive it because, and this is where I was, I'm really not that bad that I need that kind of love. That's for like the axe murderers and all those people that are in the penitentiary. I'm a fairly good person, so I don't really need that kind of love. Yes, you do, my friend. One day I'm going to invent this if God allows me to live long enough, um, although it scares me to think about it. Wouldn't it, imagine if, if there was an invention that someone could put on your forehead a screen that would flash across every thought you ever had. Yeah, that's, my, that's right. right so that tells us right there we're not good enough for that, Right? As I've said before, uh, if you knew some of the thoughts I had in my head, you would not be sitting where you are right now. But 
if I knew some of the thoughts that ran through your head, I would never let you in the doors. And so we kind of have that working here, okay? So pride says, I'm not that bad. I think a second reason is we actually, there's guilt. We just feel like I've done so many bad things. I've thought so many things that would put me in prison. No one could love me. Not, not as thoroughly as you're speaking of, Kevin. Well, in the, in the 66 books of the Bible, we have instances of people who killed, who raped, who crucified the one perfect person who's ever lived in Jesus, and salvation was available to them, and their sins could be forgiven. Thirdly is I think there's a fear. I think we look at that kind of love and go, wow, if I receive that kind of love, my goodness, what's expected of me in return? The accountability, the responsibility, and I'm not sure I'm ready for that. So, so, so you would push away the greatest love ever you could, you could possibly receive. My friends, whatever you would give up doesn't come anywhere close to what you're going to receive. I can speak personally to that. So I hope this evening that none of you will let pride or guilt or fear keep you from what Christmas is all about. And that is the greatest love ever can be received here and now. So my challenge for you this week, one, is would you please give God this Christmas the greatest present you could ever give him, and it's your life. Just surrender to him. Just say, here you go. God, here's my life. I, I, I'm done trying my way. I, I, need, I, I need help. I, I, need, I need a savior. I need, I need the love that I'm hearing about. Oh, God, would it please be true in my life? Yes, it will be. Secondly, is for those of you who have put your faith and trust in Christ, may I challenge you to worship him privately and publicly. In my own relationship with God, it took like a, a meteoric leap when I began to worship him. And by worship, I mean where I began to, to listen to, to music. I would walk in the streets of my neighborhood and I would, I would sing praise songs to him. I, I would regularly thank him and, and tell him how wonderful he is. And, and I, I cannot tell you how that changed everything for me. I mean, originally, initially, I'm, I'm a linear thinker. When I, when I first became a Christian, I didn't even come in for the singing part. I came in for the message because I wanted to learn God's word. But man, things changed when I really began to worship. And I didn't worry about anybody. I apologize to this gentleman that I was sitting next to that he had to listen to me saying, it's not pretty. But God is tone deaf. And he loves you more than you could ever possibly know. Okay, let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for your patience with us. God, I pray that this message would find its way into every heart here. I pray that those who have been afraid to receive this kind of love will fear no more. God, those who have been prideful thinking they don't need it, God, please may they come to their senses and realize they need a Savior. And Father, for those who, who fear thinking, oh my goodness, what do I have to give up to get this? God, I pray that they would come to realize it's not even close what they get in terms of what they give, Lord. May you be glorified in Christ's name we pray, amen.